I'm Ben Carter, your life transformation coach, and I've been sent, called, and commissioned to help you live your very best life. Join me on Ben the Life Coach Radio Show. I can't wait to support your leap into victory. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to a brand new show. It's so good to see you. I hope that you've been listening to the shows. I hope that you've been watching the shows. I hope you've been spreading the word, letting people know that Ben the Life Coach internet radio show is back on my blog talk channel. So blogtalkradio.com slash Ben the Life Coach, where you can listen to all of the previous shows from season one and watch the new shows from season two that started in September. So I'm excited about this show because... This show is a little bit about relationships, right? And folks love to talk about relationships. I usually do not like to uh, talk about relationships. I go, I am not the love coach. But this particular show is talking about the healing process after heartbreak or after a breakup. And we're going to go through a few steps that will walk you through having a healthy breakup. And I'm going to tell you up front, sometimes you have to lean into the crazy. Sometimes you've got to lean into the crazy, baby. Now, I'm not telling you that you won't be uh, kicking in some doors, waving the 4-4. You might have to. (laughs) Just don't get arrested. (laughs) So this show, we're going to talk about some healthy ways, right? Some healthy ways to process breakup. And some of you who might know me personally might say, you've never been through a breakup baby yes i have (laughs) i've been through uh breakup and more importantly i've seen what breakups do to other people what that heartbreak is like especially if you don't have an outlet or a way to express it so get comfortable tag a friend share the link you know tell folks there's a new show Head over to my website, www.livellccoaching.com and download the latest and greatest ebook, the third installment of the Victory Trilogy, trilogy, excuse me, that is entitled Conquering Survival and Leaping into Victory. It's so good and it's so short. So for those of you who go, oh gosh, I don't want to read a 500 page novel. It's about 23 pages. It's a great read. Uh, so go over and download the free copies. All of the ebooks are free. So enjoy. Hit me up if you need anything. Live LLC coaching at gmail.com. So let's get into this show, right? <laughs> Heartbreak, breakups. We all deal with this stuff differently. And I think that men and women have a different process. I know there are those cliches out there that say the best way to get over somebody uh, is get under somebody, right? Isn't that what you all tell each other, ladies? Um, and we tell the, the men all together that you don't even have to process the breakup, man. Don't even go through it. <laughs> don't even deal with it, <laughs> right? If you broke up, move on, get somebody new, right? But I don't know how healthy that is because if you don't flush your system of the previous relationship, then you keep a load of stuff clogged (laughs) uh, in your heart space, in your mental state, and you become 
emotionally crippled, right? So not dealing with it is almost a way of committing emotional suicide. That's how so many men and women meet each other and their emotional state is that of a 12 year old because they do not know how to deal with breakups. They either become stalkers because they don't have the self-control to stop calling or coming around uh, or they don't process it at all because somewhere along the way they've told themselves the best way to deal with this is to not deal with it at all, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world because it takes way more strength and energy to pretend something is not there, right? So to pretend that the elephant is not in the room take way more energy than to just say, God damn it, the elephant is here. I can't get around it, right? <laughs> room is small, elephant is big, let's deal with it so that we can move on from here. And I think that this particular show, some of the tools that I'm going to give you uh, in terms of your process, you know I love a process, a step-by-step -step process, I think will help. And I know some of you might think that I've never been through a heartbreak. I've gone through heartbreak before. I have. I've, I've been separated before. I've gone through that. I know what the loneliness feels like, right? Especially as a dude, I know what it feels like to be rejected. And for me to be rejected did the opposite, right? I didn't have a pity party. I had an angry party. I got mad as hell because I'm like, how are you going to reject me? I'm the, I'm that main one. I'm the, I'm a good man. You can't reject me, you know? And I think as I was saying that my words didn't actually match my belief or what I believed about myself. I don't know if I actually believed that I, at the time was a good man. I was controlling because that's what I had learned, you know? So I learned through my mom and dad that the woman submits, she does whatever the man is supposed to. And if she does that, you know, more than perfectly, then the man could kind of be happy. And that's what I did. I think a lot of us do that. We use the tools that our parents subliminally get, gave us and then we create our own tool or our own standard of what being in a relationship is like. And we begin to function in an abnormal environment. That's what dysfunction is. Um, functioning in an abnormal environment with abnormal behavior. So me being super controlling and thinking that a relationship is that I do all of this and you do that and there's no, there's no equality in the relationship and not being fulfilled in a way that it stimulates you on multiple levels, and that does include financially. You're my financial partner, my financial equal, or we'll, we're building together, or you're teaching me how to be better, right? So I think that one of the things that we overlook, one of the things that I overlooked, I'm speaking for myself, is that I didn't sit down in early relationships and go, what are you bringing to the table that I don't? already have. How are you making my life better? Because you should not be here to make me happy. I should be already in a state of happiness. I should already be in a state of peacefulness before you come in. Because if it's up to you to make me happy, give me peace, give me joy, then when you leave, then you take my happiness, peace, and joy with you. <laughs> and God damn it, some of you, you're still thinking that way. If you're still thinking that way, then you're probably not ready for a relationship. You're not mature enough for a relationship. 
if you think somebody is supposed to complete you. I think somebody um, can finish your sentences for you, right? I think somebody can compliment you, but I don't know if we were created for someone else to complete us. I think we were created for someone else to compliment us, to take what's already great about us and make it great greater, to take what already looks good and make it look better, to bring out our best. I think that the compliment is what we should have and not the completion. I think that when you have a whole relationship, it might complete areas in your life that you as an individual had goals to set as far as I want kids, I want two cars, I want a puppy, that kind of thing. So an area of completion as far as goals are concerned, but you completing me as a person, eh, get up out of here. Now that's just not acceptable, right? I've got to be able to stand in my own life and accept that if I'm standing in my own life and I have to do it as a single person, then I am equipped with the tools to live this life as a single person, right? So I believe we were all built for companionship, but the reality is, is that I might not put myself in a situation. Uh, I might not open myself up enough to create the space for somebody else to come in and love me, right? So those are some of the things that we want to think about, look at, but the breakup, woo -hoo, that breakup, baby, baby, baby. There is nothing quite like a breakup. And I've heard folks in the past say that um, divorces feel like death, right? So that separation, um, it's painful, especially if you and that person have been together and you start to melt and merge one into the other. Your family is their family. Their family is your family. Vice versa with friends. You might work together, have business together. It, it becomes a lot. And to start peeling back uh, and really ripping that part of your life to shreds so that you can start a new part of your life is really, really, it's heartbreaking right? There's a part of your life that's dying so the new area in your life can live so that you can give birth to a, a new chapter, a better you. But it's it's really hard to think like that. Um, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story about myself uh, to start with. <laughs> I went through a separation uh, almost 10 years ago and I was in shock again because I thought I was that dude. I thought I was a great catch nobody is going to walk out on me. How could you? Like, you stupid for, for leaving me because I'm just a great catch. But I was rejected, you know? Someone was like, I found somebody better than you. You're not that great, you know? <laughs> you don't put it down the way you think you do, buddy. <laughs> You're not serving it up the way that you think you do. Uh, you don't make as much money as you think you do, Right. Your car is not as nice as you think it is. All of those things that some of us as men hold on to. And so um, because and at some point in my life, I um, started seeing therapists because I wanted to really create a very healthy mental state. When I got out of the relationship, when I was dumped, I ran to a therapist. I ran to a therapist and it's so funny because I remember sitting in the chair and she was looking at me and she was just kind of looking at me with her eyes open. I'm saying, you know, I'm 20 something. I work here. I do this. I, you know, and she's like, 
okay, so tell me again, why, really, why are you tripping? What's the issue? And I was like, I just can't believe it happened. And so what she was able to do was reel me in because she said, you're in shock, Ben. You're in shock. You can't believe that this has happened. So one of the things that you have to do is accept that this happened and accept that this person's perception about you is their truth about you. This is true for them. But the, the, the question is, how true is it for you? You've accepted that what they said to you about you is true. And I was like, oh, snap. And I said, she said, why can't you enjoy your new cherry red Jeep? Why can't you enjoy having the apartment to yourself? Why can't you enjoy going out and having a good time? You're 20 something. What's the big deal? I don't get it. What's really happening with you? Are you in mourning because this person left or are you in mourning because you believe what this person said about you as far as the relationship is concerned? And she checked me and I had to check myself and she told me, she said, I don't think you need to see me. You can come, but I don't think you need to see me to get over this relationship. I think you need to see me to introduce you to yourself because it seemed that there is a breakdown in your identity. And that's when I was like, ooh, no, she didn't just sit here and, and throw myself back at myself. What did she just do? So I just picked my face up off the ground and I dusted it off and I put it on and I left her that day and I couldn't even get upset. I couldn't cry. I just had to sit in the truth of her statement and go, wow, wow, she really, she really did forced me to look at some things. I kept putting this rejection and the break in the relationship on someone else. And I was broken. I, I, I remember falling on my knees praying, God, please put my family back together again. Lord, I rebuke this separation if you just bring it back together. <sighs> praying the wrong prayer. God, if you just help me see myself, if you help me uncover the strength that is already there, if you let me know and allow me to see that I am already complete, <laughs> right? So that breakup, it's rough. Oh, it's rough, especially when you don't want it to end. But whenever that separation takes place, you have got to do a self-check. And so that's one of my experience. I, I've had my heart broken and I've cried and I've drank too much and I've... Um, done too much religion and I've done all of those things thinking that my my action is going to change someone else's behavior right and I was failing because what I wasn't doing outside of the relationship is what I didn't do inside of the relationship and include the other person partner with the other person to agree on the kind of life that we wanted as opposed to trying to control. So that was one of my issues. What's your issue? Think about it. Think about what your issue is in the relationship. And if you are the root cause of your breakup, if someone just can't take you anymore, if you're too controlling, if you nitpick too much, if you nag too much, if you pity yourself too much, if you've got too much ego, if they can't trust you with their heart, what is it? What is it? I want you to think about it. And when we come back, when we come back, I want to see if you're able to tell the truth. Got another story for you, but 
think about your role. Think about your role in the breakup. Where are you there? How do you fit in? relationship? Do you know why the breakup took place? Were you able to identify that you were in fact a victim in the relationship? Woe was you. Every time something went wrong, how could that happen to you? You never showed up in the relationship as an assertive person. You were always passive. Or were you the bully? Were you always pointing at the other person, always using manipulation and control tactics to get what what you want, you know, or did you realize that you just were not balanced enough to be in a relationship at all? It wasn't your time, right? You still wanted to have fun. You still wanted to run to the club. You still wanted to do whatever it is that you wanted to do without answering to anyone else and not feel guilty about that. What role did you play in that breakup? So I want to have a serious conversation with you in terms of breakup. And I've been thinking about this for a few years and how I wanted to share this story. I do a lot of work with women. And that's spiritual work for me. Uh, I believe that my mother made a deposit in me to understand aspects of women uh, that typically men don't understand from an emotional level. So there are things that I have a very difficult time doing. It's, it's hard for me to cheat, although I have cheated halfway. I'm going to tell you about that after we have the serious conversation. <laughs> How do you have a halfway cheat? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, right? Um, my mother, when she had me, she was really young. She was uh, 1920 when she had me and after she and my father separated when I was like eight-ish somewhere between eight and ten 
she struggled to find a man to really love and honor and respect her. And I watched that struggle. I remember there was one relationship where we thought this guy was going to change the world for us. Uh, me and my sister really, really liked him. My mother was in love. Uh, my mother gave up her whole house. By house, I mean all of the furniture in her house. She gave to my, my grandmother because her new boyfriend had better furniture. It wasn't really better at all. But because she wanted to please him, she let him make the choice. He bought all of his furniture and it was horrible. Our older furniture was better. <laughs> and I remember having a conversation with her like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you letting him to bring? I said, where is our stuff going to be? I remember saying that to her. Where is our stuff going to be? And, you know, she was so in love at this point. And she was in her mid to, uh, no, my mom was in her late 20s, early 30s. So she was young, right? And she wanted to have a relationship and she thought that this was going to go somewhere. Um, and I remember when he broke it off and I, she was preparing us that they were separating. And I remember that that when I, that's when I understood what depression was. I couldn't articulate it but I knew that my mother was in so much pain, it was heavy on me. It was so heavy on me that I was listening to sad love songs. <laughs> I was listening to Phyllis Hyman living all alone. And I love Phyllis, but I was listening to it as if I was experiencing because that's what she was experiencing. Everything was being taken away from her, um, literally, her love, uh, and her possessions were being, and her access to a car, all of that stuff. And it just, it broke my heart to see her go through that. And there were moments when I didn't know, and I wasn't sure if she was safe, meaning I didn't know what she would do to herself because she really was crushed. Uh, and she really, really loved this guy. And I remember after they had separated, she taken me and my sister to go see him a few times. And the reason why I'm telling this story is because, ladies, I don't ever want you to feel like I don't get it. And I know it seems like, I know the fellas are like sometimes, be on our side, be on our side. But spiritually, emotionally, this thing is in me. When I'm drawn to you in the way that I'm drawn to you, ladies, and the way that you experience emotions, and I can feel it like the lump is in my throat now because I can feel how heavy and thick it was for my mother. To her, it felt like her life had been taken away from her. Again, I get out of one, and here it is with this one. And with each failed relationship, it just diminished her. Uh, in so many aspects. And so I get that heartbreak because a part of her did die. And it took decades for her to be able to allow a new part of her to live. So there was a part of her, that flesh part of her, and that spiritual part of her that just decayed. And it took decades before she was able to leap into her victory. And I remember some of the last conversations we had and I was talking about mommy you have to tell these stories and she said no <laughs> you can you tell the story and so it always does something to me on an emotional level because I feel like when my mom transitioned she just poured all of that stuff into me it was like she was saying okay here you go here you are I know you you are male but 
it is now time for you to take this and reverse it to help people heal from the heartbreak. And so that was one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation because I wanted to make sure that you all were clear about where I was coming from and how I uh, came up with the idea of doing this. And one of the first things that I do want to tell you on the list, we've got about um, four things we're going to look at, four things that I'm going to suggest. And one of the first things I want to suggest is avoid premature restoration. <laughs> you thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? You nasty such and such. Avoid premature restoration. What in the world does that mean? Don't try to mend your broken heart overnight, fellas. <laughs> you know, I know it's hard to resist. I know you want to make the calls, the booty calls. I know you want to express yourself in a way that will allow you to mask the pain. Don't do that. I have seen so many people close to me jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. And all it does is compound and combine all of the un resolved issue of every relationship. I saw my mother try to do this. Avoid dealing with the hurt. You've got to lean in. You've got to sit in that depression uh, or sit in those depressed feelings. Let's be clear about that. Uh, sitting those feelings that have every right to have you feeling depressed so that it doesn't turn into depression by way of you not being able to climb out of it. So avoiding premature restoration is Stop pretending that you're ready to move on after 24 hours or 48 hours or two weeks. You're not. If you have to sit in the house for the weekend and veg out and play Xbox and have one too many beers or if you have to listen to as many self-help tapes as you need to, you need that time to cry, to sulk, to get mad, to curse out, to pray, to meditate to lean into those feelings. Stop trying to pretend that you're not as hurt as you are, especially if you've been in a relationship, you know, for a year or more. Six months, you might be able to in six minutes be like, you know what? I wasn't really feeling you no way. But if you've been in the relationship for a while, then you need to give yourself time. If you have to schedule, if you have to schedule a shutdown, <laughs> then you need to do it. You need to get in those good sweatpants and get in front of the television and watch all of your shows. Then you need to do what you need to do. If you need to go for a walk, then you need to do what you need to do to not avoid the situation. Stop trying to mend your heart in 72 hours. It's just not healthy to pull away from yourself. Lean into what you're feeling, right? Lean in. That's number one. Avoid premature restoration. Get your pen. Write that down. Avoid premature restoration. Stop trying to restore yourself before it's time to be restored, before it's time to be healed. You've got to work through that thing. You've got to work through those emotions. So stop playing games, right? Stop playing games. So I know I said that I would tell you about my cheating situation. I'm going to tell you real quick because we don't have a lot of time left. So I was in a relationship when I was very young. And I'm very naive, right? I know I come across as all-knowing. <laughs> I am very naive. And when I started dating, I was even more naive. So somebody tricked me into thinking that 
I was going to a hotel party. And when I got to the hotel, it was just me and that person. And after a lot of coaching <laughs> to try to get me in an intimate situation, it almost happened. But I have self-control. I have self-control. That's all I'm going to say. It did not happen. It did not happen. I jumped up. I said, this is unacceptable. I will not allow um, me and little Ben to get caught up in this. <laughs> so I was able to avoid the situation because what I thought about was what had happened to my mother. I thought about what she had gone through and how her heart had been broken. And I said, I can't do this. I can't do this to anybody. And like a dummy, fellas, I know, I know, I know I'm about to get my man card pulled. I confessed. I confessed. And can you believe that? Can you believe somebody confessed to almost cheating? How dumb was I to have confessed such a thing? And of course, I got a knife pulled on me. <laughs> that was a ghetto, nasty hood situation. <laughs> I got a knife pulled on me um, for confessing. But, you know, I was like, listen, this is it is what it is. And that's when my standard was built. I built a standard that I'm not going to lie to you. If I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'm in that moment, I might pick up my phone and say, listen, this is what is about to happen, and I'm okay with the relationship dissolving. This is my choice, but I'm not gonna do anything behind your back if we're in relationship together, right? So that's that's my experience with cheating, <laughs> almost, right? But Brandy said almost doesn't count. So technically I'm not a cheater, but lesson number one, Get your pen, get your paper. The very first thing on your list as far as dealing with this heartbreak, avoid premature restoration. Lean into your feelings. Don't be afraid to feel what you're feeling. You will not break. But if, if you pretend that there isn't a breaking that needs to take place, you will not only break, but you will break into a million different little pieces and you'll find yourself five years from now, 10 years from now, a person who's not able to develop any emotional uh, intelligence and any long-term or long-standing relationships. I can tell you that for sure, right? I can tell you that for sure. So when we come back from this quick break, I want you to listen to this new segment that I have. When we come back from this quick break, this new segment I have, we're going to go through the last three steps. Get your pen, get your paper. Number one is avoid premature restoration. I'm going to take a break, take a listen to this new segment, and I'll see you back in a few minutes. Hey, what's up? Welcome to a new segment of the show. The new segment of the show is called Dear Everybody Who's Not. Dear Everybody Who's Not is my way of giving voice, standing up with, cheerleading, champion, supporting those folks who feel they don't have a voice or don't have enough people acknowledging their oppression and validating that they are in fact oppressed. So you know you people who go, well, if her skirt wasn't so short, she probably would not have been raped. So dear everybody who's never been raped, <laughs> newsflash, right? So that's what this show is about. And this week, it just so happens to be, dear everybody who's not an angry black person, I am going to tell you why we're angry. 
as seen through the experience of me, Ben, a life coach. Now, I don't consider myself an angry guy, right? I try very hard to work through my anger, even though I've experienced racism on multiple levels and on several occasions. I don't hold that against an entire race. I just don't. However, last week in my corporate job on the TV screen was the video of Keith uh, Lamont Scott's wife filming the unedited version of him being murdered. I had not seen the video, did not want to watch the video, but I heard her voice running towards the car, and before you knew it, they were killing him. Now, something in me, I almost collapsed. I lost my breath. I didn't know what to do with myself at that point because I had not been watching any of these televised murders at all. Not the Facebook Live one, none of them. I got back to my desk. I thought I was having an anxiety attack, and I'm sure I was very angry, annoyed. And I'm saying to myself, well, maybe you just need to eat. Maybe you don't feel well. Maybe you need a nap. And it just dawned on me. No, hell no. You're mad and you're mad as hell. Because the truth of the matter is you can walk out, get in your car, hit the freeway, get pulled over and get shot. They don't know who you are. They don't know what you do for a living, nor does that matter. I'm not sure how many people outside of my community my 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 ethnic makeup have to deal with such a thing on this level. So I'm coming home, I'm walking in the house, and I'm mad. And I go, why are you so mad? And then I have a flashback. And I saw an image of a black man being whipped, of a black man being torn apart from his family, of a black man being lynched, and not having an outlet not having an outlet, not having someone to cry to, not having someone to say, listen, validate, acknowledge that this isn't okay, that I am a human. So it made sense that I would try to suppress what I was feeling because generationally speaking, in my DNA, there is a structure of you don't have a right to feel what you feel. Take it, suck it up, deal with it, cry in the dark, but you don't have a voice. You're black and you don't deserve to say to anyone, this is not fair. So to all of you people who want to know why we're angry, we still need to say, scream out loud. We've been raped, we've been killed, lynched, torn apart from our families, torn apart from the continent. And no one is saying it makes sense they're so upset. It makes sense they're so angry. We need to, as a community of human beings, resolve this issue. So, dear everybody, who's not an angry black person? That's just a peek into our heart space as to why we're angry. If you cannot find it in your heart space, to look into my heart space and see that there is an issue, that there is a set of valid reasons why I am angry, then it's because you've made a choice to not look into my experience, to not exercise or practice compassion. And you, my friend, are the problem. I am not. 
Hey, welcome back. How did you like that segment? Oh, yeah, I was fired up in that, wasn't I? <laughs> Listen, don't hate me. Don't hate me, right? It's necessary. There is a Stokely Carmichael on the inside of me. Woo! You know, but I, I'm a big fan of the word balance, right? So I've got to balance Stokely with my inner Martin Luther King, with my inner Gandhi, <laughs> with alignment to the universe <laughs> and the creator of. So, you know, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it got your blood boiling just a little bit, but we're back to the show, right? Back to the show and uh, how to heal um, after the breakup, how to deal with that heartbreak, right? So you've got the first one. The second one is take self-assessment, take self-inventory, assess yourself, right? Check yourself. So number two is self-assessment. One of the things that you want to identify is Identify if you or that person was just a placeholder. Ooh, 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 yeah, yeah. Check in. Was that person or were you just taking up space, right? Were you a rebound? Was that person a rebound? Did you say yes to that person because you didn't want to be alone? Did that person say yes to you because they didn't want to be alone? Did you start out as friends with benefits? What did that situation look like? Did you really like that person's personality? Did you, on the low, hate them? Couldn't stand them. You were beefing with this person on the low. Every time they spoke, you cringed, right? But they were good enough for that time. They were good enough for the time being. Were you supportive of this person's dream? Were they supporting your dream? Were they curious? Did they need to know what your purpose in life was, right? Make a self-assessment. Did you care about what their purpose in life was? Were you hungry and thirsty for the person that God created and them? Or could you care less? Assess yourself. Assess yourself. Were you always looking at the person saying, if they did this, if they were a little bit more of this, if, if she had a little bit more up here, a little less back there, if, if this was a little bit flatter, if this was a little bit bigger, then that's not love. That's not a relationship. That's Build-A-Bear. That's Build-A-Bear. Go on and get you a, a toy and play around with that toy. But assess whether or not you were showing up in that relationship as your authentic self. And if you don't know who that is, it's pretty Pretty, pretty obvious why you're single now. <laughs> I'm messing with you, but it makes sense that you're not in a relationship if you're not in the relationship as your authentic self. When you make this self-assessment, don't go in and say, I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm going to keep it real because keeping it real sometimes means I'm going to keep it real judgmental. I'm going to keep it real ego-based. But if you are in your authenticity, then that means you are also objective and there is no room for the ego self, but the true self, the true confidence. So make that self-assessment. That's number two. Number three, number three is my favorite for you ladies, for you fellas. It's my favorite. Number three, upgrade your standards. Upgrade your standards. Do me a favor. I can't tell you how many women whose standards uh, are that of girls, young girls, 
some friends that I've had for many, many years, their standards as women mirror their standards as teenage girls. He's got to have a hot car. He's got to make this kind of money. He's got to be able to take me here. You don't want a partner. You don't want a husband. You want a high school boyfriend. <laughs> you want a sugar daddy, right? You want a pimp. You do not want a partner in life. You want a pimp. You want a sugar daddy. You want somebody who's going to supply uh, things for you materialistically, and that's going to make you feel better on your low-level emotional uh, self, your low-level emotional state of being and feeling. Upgrade your standards. Ladies, especially some professional women, um, have a difficult time with this because their standards are set what they perceive to be so high that they feel like they're dumbing themselves down or lowering their standards to accommodate being with a man uh, that doesn't necessarily make $145,000 a year, $175,000 a year. He might make $75,000 a year. If you are really looking to be in a relationship, in a partnership, then you've got to upgrade your standard. And your standard has to be something a little bit more than finances, uh, the location of where this person lives. Your standard has to now talk about the level of dignity this person has, their character, the level of integrity. If you are a woman of a certain age, how this person communicates with their first wife how they communicate with their children, how they communicate with their parents, how they communicate with their family. What is it that they're doing outside of work? What are they affiliated with? Who are they affiliated with? You've got to upgrade your standard and map out your value. And your value is not always in association to a dollar sign or a type of car or the location someone lives in. As a matter of fact, Someone's bank account doesn't have anything to do with you while you're dating if they're not asking you to loan them anything. <laughs> but you've got to upgrade your standards. Fellas, you can't trust a big butt in a smile. You know that. You know that when you're going into a relationship, you can't go into a relationship with an underdeveloped woman who's super duper angry based on what has happened to her in the past. She's not forgiven the, the violation that took place in her past life. She's not for, forgiven her previous relationship. You can't keep going into a relationship thinking that you're going to be a hero or thinking that she'll get over it. Upgrade your standard and have a value for a woman who is emotionally mature. Even though women think that they're more mature than us, they are a little angry. They are a little cynical. They are a little jaded. Why? Because in their value system, they've chosen someone that matches their anger, that matches their cynicism, that matches those things that they really shouldn't show up in a relationship with. Same in the LGBT com uh, community. Stop attempting to build relationships with people who are not out, who are not willing to stop dating several people at one time. Stop it. Upgrade your standards. Stop looking at their shoes. Stop falling in love in three days. Upgrade your standards. That's my favorite. You can't trust a big butt and a smile. You can't trust a big stick and a smile. You just can't. Graduate into a, level, into a new level of thinking and being and existing. You have to. 
my aunt told me this years ago. She said, you know what? All of that stuff is great when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s. But she said, you're going to have to have something to talk about when you're in your 50s. And you've already been sleeping with each other for, you know, over 20 years. You got to have something else to talk about. Your life has to have substance. It has to have depth. It has to have character. It has to have integrity. It has to have some kind of threading that holds you together that's more than those low-level, immature, thin standards that you've configured when you were 20, 25, 30. Upgrade. Upgrade your standards. Then number four, while you're going through this healing process, I know it's rough, but when I was dealing with heartbreak and when I'm dealing with people dealing with heartbreak, I say it plain to them, get a life, get a life. Identify if your entire life was in association with your previous uh, partner, right? Get a life. Your entire life can't consist of everything that you all did together. If you all did everything together and that person was your everything, and when they leave, you are no thing at all, you are nothing, then you have no idea who you are. Get a life, volunteer, go back to school, lose weight, write a book, join a dance class, do something to promote your true purpose in life. Your true purpose in life was not following that man to the club every chance you got. It was not asking him for his password to his phone. It wasn't. Get a life. Do something with yourself. Who are you? Whose are you? You're not that person's property. You are an association and you're connected to the Most High. I want you to understand that heartbreak is going to happen. Don't try to avoid the heartbreak. Lean in. Number one, avoid premature restoration. Accept that your heart is broken. Accept it. Be mad. Get pissed off. Write nasty letters. Don't mail them, though. <laughs> but stop pretending that it's not there because when you pretend that it's not there, you go into the next relationship with what you've just done during the process of ending the last relationship and this new relationship. Telling the next person that I am inhumane. I am incapable of dealing with emotions. I am emotionally, um, I don't want to use the word that I was going to use. <laughs> I am emotionally unavailable. I'll say that. I'm not capable of managing the relationship. I can't do it. I put up brick walls. You know how hard it is to build a brick wall? Do you know how hard that is? Building a brick wall as opposed to just releasing it. <sighs> Pain is inevitable. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. And avoiding the, the pain is a choice to suffer for an extended period of time. So these are the four things. Avoid premature restoration. Take self-assessment. Number three, upgrade your standards. And finally, number four, get a life. I hope that this did something to you, for you, stepped on your toes, pulled at your heartstring, made you think, made you mad, made you yell at the radio and go, Ben, you sound stupid. I don't agree with you. 
but later on tonight, it melts away the hard heartedness and it allows you to lean into yourself, to your emotions. You're worth it. You can deal with it. Almost enjoy this process, this time alone. Come down in your man cave. Have a good cry, man. Stop pretending that you don't have tears. You've got tear ducts for a purpose. Let that spit out of your body. Release it. Stop walking around with migraines, hypertension, holding on to all of that pain. Flush that spit out of your system. I was about to say a bad word. You know, the creator reeled me back in. No bad language. <laughs> Thank you, God. Flush it out of your system. Release it. You don't have to be negative. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you like this show. I hope you love this show. Whether or not it helped you, whether or not you felt like it was a cropper, do do to you. I am called, commissioned, appointed, and anointed to support your leap into victory. So however you're going to do it, when you're ready to heal healthily, I am here to support you. You know that I love you. I am Ben Carter, your favorite life transformation coach. Until next time, see you soon. I tried to drink it away. I tried to put one in the air. I tried to dance it away. I tried to change it with my hand. I am a credit card below. Thought a new dress would make it better. I tried to work it away. But that just made me even sadder. I tried to keep myself busy. I ran around and Think I make myself dizzy. I slept it away. I sexed it away. I read it away. 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 To run it away Thought then my head be feeling clearer, clearer. I travel 70 states